This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. Hey guys, we are back with episode four of Bucket Talk. This is the first episode of probably a kind of a reoccurring cadence that we're calling not average, basically, for a bunch of different trades. And we're fortunate here to, uh, this one's going to be focused on not your average excavator, basically. Jeremy called me a few weeks ago and said, dude, you cannot believe this guy that I know. He's 19 years old. He's absolutely crushing. I said, well, what does that mean? He's like, he was literally 17 in high school. He was a junior in high school, started excavating then, stayed in high school to play football, and then his senior year took advantage of essentially a high school kind of co-op type program. Also got a big excavator supplier to give him a $60,000 machine essentially without credit, which you know a kid at that age wasn't able to get, and did almost half a million bucks in revenue his senior of, of high school. And I almost fell off my chair and uh, and literally made me think, what the hell am I doing with my life at age, <laughs> at age 33? So we're here with, with Mike D'Astasio, uh, runs his own excavation company. Can you, Jeremy, give us a quick, you know, you know him personally, give us a quick intro to how you met Mike, uh, what you think about Mike, and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, believe it or not, I actually know all of Mike's family, uh, immediate family, and a uh, good group of people, uh, people I definitely associate with uh, regularly, and Mike is somebody that impressed me from the get-go. Uh, he is a, a guy that just has an incredible work ethic, young age, you don't see that right now, it's, it's, it's something that is just kind of a unicorn of, of the industry. And he, when I first met him, he told me what he was doing, had a Bobcat service and was, and was doing that. And I was like, wow, this is, this is something I really need to get behind, really need to help him. And he calls me every now and again for, for certain things. And, you know, Mike has always impressed me. He's, he's definitely a person that, you know, I would love to hang out with on a daily basis. And, you know, Mike, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you for having me. Really, the backstory about it is sort of was always into trucks and equipment at a young age. The classic had trucks growing up, had all the toys, the models, whatever. Um, was always sort of into it. Tried to work for other people and realized I'm sort of rather be my own boss. Yeah, really. I can't. Not that I can't take direction, but I'd rather be the ringleader than one of the people on the circus. So. Um, Decided to go out, buy my own Bobcat at 17. Uh, kept that for eight, nine months. Did what I could with it. And then realized that sort of maintenance on that type of thing is sort of... They get used and abused, that piece of equipment. So you, I ended up trade or selling it for to buy a brand new piece of equipment. At 18, I had that new piece of equipment. 
it sort of all took off from there. I bought an excavator shortly thereafter, and then. But at seventeen, you're a junior in high school. I mean, yeah, that, yep. this is this is incredible. I, I mean, the the fact that you're thinking about you you have the entrepreneur spirit. You're thinking about this stuff at age seventeen. What got you there? What what made you decide to do this? I mean, wh- how did it click? I mean, seventeen, I was like. I don't know, playing hacky sack and all sorts of stupid stuff. What were you doing? I honestly don't really know what I was doing to really get into it. It was just sort of see where it takes me, and it sort of took me in the right direction, I guess. I don't know. So did you have any outside influences? Uh, Somebody that... Yes and no. I saw like all the big companies, like the big nice trucks. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. that would be cool. Like my name going down the road. Yeah, that would be. How can I build that? So that really grabbed you, huh? Yeah, I was not the like name, but it's like, oh, these guys can do dirt work, make a lot of money at it, have nice trucks. Like, how can I? What can I do? What though? was your very first job when you got your new Bobcat? Probably some sort of landscape, something simple to do that I couldn't really mess up. Now, I had a friend call me, and, and they said, you know, um, I need somebody to come up and and pull some shrubs out. And I didn't know that shrubs could be so embedded close to a foundation. that <laughs> where, where you have something so small on the top, but you have such a massive root system. So they said that, you know, they had called a Craigslist guy, and the Craigslist guy was like, yeah, I could pull it out with my Jeep. And I was like... No, nope, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> I said, I got a friend of mine that, that does, um, he has a Bobcat service. So he went over there. Instantly, I got a phone call from them after the fact. And it was Mike. I, I, I said, you know, Mike, Mike does this stuff. He's very professional. And, and uh, you know, he'll, he'll get over there. He went over there, ripped them things out. And so there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of smaller smaller jobs that I think you could latch on to at a, at a young age, but you got to realize them. And, and, and for me being a, I'm not the entrepreneur, I don't have that entrepreneur spirit yet, but you seem to have, you know, kind of figured out which, which way you're yeah, going to go. Yeah, the niche sort of, there's a fine line because anyone can go out and dig a hole. You have to sort of find your niche and what really, like I wasn't, not that I wasn't happy, but like spreading loom in a yard to have someone a new lawn really wasn't my thing. My thing was pipe work, utilities, foundations, like site work type mm. stuff. So that's where I really found my niche and where it really sort of took off from. Mike, how many days a week do you work? Seven. What time are you up in the morning? Uh, I'll get out of bed at 5, 5.15. What motivates you at 5.15 in the morning? Buy a new truck. There you go. Buy another truck. Yeah. Yep. So have you constantly traded up trucks, or how does that work? My first truck was a 2010 F-250. Oh, you're a Ford guy? Jeez, yeah, come on Ford now. Guy. Um, that was my first truck. I had that for probably like a year, right. and then I started, I'm very visual, so I looked around, what's everyone else using? What are, what's making their job easier? And I found a utility body. I bought a brand new utility body for that 10-year-old truck at right. the time, and put that body on it expensive body like eight nine thousand dollar body on this 10 year old truck and then said uh well this really isn't it was a gas truck well well this really isn't pulling a bobcat like it should then uh about a year ago i bought a 2014 f-350 diesel which i traded that truck for in addition to the whatever money on top and that's sort of 
not at the stage yet where I can comfortably purchase a brand new truck yet because it's just so the market, everything's just so expensive nowadays. It's sort of. So what stands out to me about this conversation you guys are having is a lot of young folks, they get into the trades, they make, they make some good dough, some good cash. They want to go buy a sweet Ford or sweet Chevy. What Mike didn't totally touch on, which is very different, is he was reinvesting into his business to actually buy a better work truck, not to buy a flashy truck to impress the the, the, the ladies or, or or whatever. It's actually to reinvest into his business to actually make him more efficient and more productive, more professional, show up on a job site. So very fundamental difference, which I'm not from the trade. So I'm like, yeah, I want a Ford Raptor. Mike wanted nothing to do with a, a freaking Ford Raptor. He wanted the bigger truck with the bigger bed. And so very fundamental difference, I think, which is a uh, a big takeaway for a lot of young guys that, that make a lot of cash really young, right? Yeah, they get into over their heads on stuff. They see the money and it's sort of like, oh, I'll go buy the $100,000 truck and drive around in it. When really, that's not going to benefit you. It's more... Yeah, I would like a nice truck showing up to a job site, but it's sort of, I'd rather have everything I need to go to work than a nice truck. But so I said, I said in episode one, and I, I really want to reiterate the fact that, you know, I myself am no expert. I want to speak as the trades, not to the trades. You know, I'm living, breathing it just as, you know, guys like you and, and, you know, others are, are doing. And I want to make sure that, that people realize that, you did this all on your own, and and this is this is something that you know was hard work, was a, was a vision of yours, and is a work in progress. You consistently make mistakes. Yep. You have consistently Costly. been yelled at on on job yep. sites, yep. but you've done a few things right. I mean, tell me tell me about a situation or or what you've done right or or what you've what you've come into that was that was good that you're like wow I can't believe I fell I fell into this contract versus Another one where you're like, I can't believe I just did that. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have even. I shouldn't have even had this job. I've heard over over time that people have said, you know, it's better to go work for somebody. But what what sets you apart from others by not going to work for somebody? The main thing is what like you're passionate about. I'm sort of passionate about like I like to work in the dirt, obviously, but I like clean trucks going to like. A, right. That's what. I think like I see all these guys in our local area. There are a couple big guys that have like spotless trucks that go work in the dirt. Like, how is that possible? That's sort of a passion I've always sort of clean had. sites, clean, clean trucks. trucks. Yeah, you sort of try to. It's not the motto, but that's sort of how you want to right. carry yourself. Like, how is this guy that digs holes so clean, and how his job site is so like perfect when it's a like should be a mess really i'm sure i could go work for someone and keep their truck clean but it's a lot more lucrative and you can do it more your way when it's your trucks and your name going down the road on them right i mean absolutely so uh, do you do anything other than excavation what does excavation entail do you i mean we're up in new england do you do anything what do you do during the winter months uh, so in the winter, it's snow plowing on a bad winter like we're having this year. It's really, it still works sort of, usually you'll see a slowdown in like October and work will start to sort of taper off because the ground's going to start freezing and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So in the winter, we'll snow plow, but the rest of the months, really focusing on site work and utilities. So mm-hmm. that's where I feel I can 
I'm be most lucrative in my business and like pipe works or water services for houses, sewer lines, foundations, that sort of thing is really the higher level of excavation I want to get to. One thing, you know, I'm not from the trade, so I do a little bit of homework in, in running off the Bureau of Labor Statistics data, which is the most accurate data for the trades, in case you guys are interested and want to dig in on yourself. You know, knowing Mike was coming here under, under the excavation, and he does a lot more than that, but we're kind of bucketing him on the bucket talk umbrella under that. He falls under the operating engineers and other construction equipment operators. What's interesting is there's 365,000 people in the U.S. that fall under that category that are that are operating on a daily basis. The average annual wage is about $52,000. Average is tricky. You have people that are making $10,000 that are working part time, but you also have people that are making you know millions of dollars on the on the upper end. And Mike is in that vein of the world, which is why he's here. We're focusing on the, the top performers here. The top 10% of that industry, the average wage is $82,000. And so- yeah, It seems a little low. That's a good sound bite. But as you think about, you know, across yeah, the middle of the country, yeah. and I'd say that's pretty pretty aspirational at the end of at the end of extreme. For no college, you don't need anything, really. It's just seat time in a machine. Anyone can sort of do it. You know, you obviously need the experience, but you could be 20 years old, two years into the job and earning that type of cash. And, and in Mike's experience, he's two years into his job. He's only 19, and he's my, my guess is earning multiples of that. So there's the, the opposite end of that extreme. And so, you know, this stat is more to show this is a ridiculously lucrative chance to get into and so at a young age why are you the 20 percent oh tricky question um really i mean it's sort of how you think it's really how you carry yourself in this sort of always how you're what you do like willing to work that shitty day where it's you're in a mud hole that you're up to your waist in the water and not complain while you have one of your guys up in the heated machine in the winter type deal it's sort of like not it's your worth work ethic really i mean if you're gonna be that picky guy that will only sit in the machine or something like that where it's you need to get out you can't just be that guy that you're just sitting in the machine no yeah i mean i agree with you you have to be well-rounded i mean that's how i started out you have to uh, do the jobs that people don't want to do. You got to gain the, the respect. Late nights, Absolutely. The, the seven days a week. I mean, you're owning your own business, the paperwork, the you're everything. You're the operator, the truck driver, the bidder, the accountant, you're everything. Yeah. yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about the jobs that you do. Are you, um, are you government contract? Are you residential? Not yet where I'm more sort of a residential commercial type guy. Like, Networking is a huge thing in my field right. with what I'm sort of trying to attack. So like year-round work for builders, like building new houses where they need the site work, utilities, that sort of stuff done. So I was fortunate enough to get in with a couple builder, high-end builders in Newton, Arlington, the more affluent cities in Massachusetts to where I'm having almost year-round work that are hundreds of thousands of dollars each project, where which is a pretty quick turnaround. I can finish $100,000 job in 
two, three weeks. And but now, are you doing the jobs that major excavation companies don't want? Where you're, where others would turn them down. You're, you're grabbing whatever you can get to try to build your brand. Yeah, I mean, the thing with networking is if you do good by a builder, they'll use, or like a someone like that, they'll stick with you sort of no matter what you're, they won't go out and get another price from someone else type deal. Right. So if you do good by them and you treat them fair and vice versa, you'll have constant work no, really no matter what you're, so another guy could come in lower than me, but they're still going to use me for whatever reasons. I keep a neat site. I clean do, on time. You do what you say. Yeah. You come in on budget, you know, yeah, stuff it, like that. You're not gouging them with a change order, something like that, to where even if the next guy in line's ten thousand dollars cheaper, he's still gonna choose you because. So let's talk about a personal situation. Me and Mike had. I had a uh, a driveway at my house that needed to be paved, and I got a quote, and, and it was an additional. It it wasn't anything that needed to be done. Now it was, and I I called uh, a paving company local to us, and and they gave me an astronomical price, and I was like. I said to my wife, Not I go, this is, this is, this is, this isn't happening. But then we had a bad rainstorm and it washed a, probably a, a foot, a foot and a half, like gash across my driveway. And I went and saw a guy, he gave me some, some, uh, grindings or millings, which is recycled asphalt to put in there and pack it down. And that kind of got me through. But then I, then I thought about it. I was like, Hey, you know what? I can get the you know, my driveway redone with something either recycled or, or what have you. And this, you know, this, this isn't to say that as me and Mike grow together, this is a a true testament to the character of, of owning your own mistakes. And I'm not saying it was a mistake, but it was a learning experience for both of us. For both of us. So I, I called Mike and I said, Hey, what can you do? And, and he said, uh, you know, we'll put down some stone. It'll look great. He came down with some stone, you know, had a 10-wheeler up there, dumped some stone, spread it out. It was great. It was unbelievable. Looked good. It was. It looked <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, I think it was, what, three-quarter stone? Yep. Crushed so, stone. So three-quarter crushed stone. So sure enough, I go to drive on it. It was hard to get the, up. The driveway's a little bit of an incline. Yeah, you yeah. You got to keep that in mind. Yeah. It's not a flat. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not a flat and this, this is, like I said, this isn't the shit on Mike by any means, but this is one of those uh, those learning experiences and and how Mike actually took the situation, owned it, and and and, and moved on. Yeah. And so he said to me, he goes, he goes, you really can't get up? And I was like, no. And and Mike, I, I didn't want to say anything. We have a great working relationship, but... I just got you. Messed you get, up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Mike came over. He scooped all the stone out. We reused it for for another part. He came back with. He worked with a local company that was doing. So for for people that don't realize, like when you're doing road work on on major routes, a lot of times the trucking companies have to bring it to a a, a certain area. But if they can do it uh, quicker, they get paid per load. So a lot of times they look for a dump site, somewhere. a dump site, uh, but not like, not a, like a trash dump, exactly. like somewhere, just someone who needs the somebody material. Who needs material. Somewhere. Yeah. So, so Mike having, having his ear to the grindstone knows that, all right, I know that's, that something's being done on this route. You know, it's close to your house. I'll, I'll contact the company, contact the company. They dropped a load at the house. It, it was good for the truck driver. It was good. It was good for everybody involved. And then Mike spread it out. And the, the absolute, to be honest with you, the joy that I had at the fact that my driveway is unbelievable now. It's, it's, 
it, it's great. And, you know, we recycled, we adapted, he overcame, the customer was happy, he admitted his mistake, but at the same time, it was a mistake that, you know, anybody could have made, but he owned it, he moved forward, and it was the most amazing thing that any contractor has done. Because time after time, you see with contractors, they... Not my problem. Exactly. And you, you get what you get. And, and, you know, that's, I think, what makes him the 20%. And actually, even better than that, the 1% in, in the fact that he said, you know what, Jeremy, I'm sorry. I'll make it right. And he did. And he did it in a timely fashion. And, you know, I, I'll sing his praises day in and day out. Sometimes you sort of just got to face defeat on that one and just sort of eat it up and whatever happened happened you just gonna make it right by the customer it's sort of your name on the line to screw up so you can't really mess it up now and from my perspective what's interesting is you know we always on on the weekends and nights we talk about about education versus experience which we'll probably talk about in, in a future episode but at this time mike's 19 years old he's been in this business for really two years the fact that he's doing jobs of this size the expectation is he's going to make mistakes and his reputation is if I make them, I have no option but to fix them if but I want to stay in business. And the fact that he's doing it is actually going to make his reputation really solid versus, you know, by the time he's 25, which is ridiculous to think six years from now, he'd be out of business if he wasn't doing it. And so, and he's got the time, he's young enough. He doesn't have a lot of the, the liabilities, Jeremy, that you and I have kids and, and family yet. And so it's like, he's doing the right things at the right age and he's trading off the learning from someone else on their dime, learning on his own dime. But at the end of the day, he's going to come out on that running his own company. But I mean, Eric, to, to chime in, this is what this is what makes the these guys that, that come in at a young age the most valuable asset to you is, is, is as a consumer, you need to work with them. You need to realize that they're not going to be perfect. But you realize that, that there's something there. Uh, you know, me and Mike have worked on his trucks and 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 realized that you know it took us a couple of times to figure something out or or we did something wrong or you know it just wasn't the right decision it might may not have been the right truck or or the right purchase or whatever but it has always been growing pains at, but at the same time for the customer it needs to be the same the the customer themselves need to realize that you know what see the potential in Mike Mike's a young kid I should invest in his future because you know what the these big Companies that, that we rely on day in and day out, they're not there in 10, 20 years. Who's going to be the next person to come up? You know what? It might it, it, It's people like Mike that we need to rely on, and we really need to sit down and say, hey, I need to be patient, and I need to... Yeah, it doesn't always go to plan, but right. it sort of helps when the consumer of it is sort of not on your back about... Not everything, but if something goes wrong and you're trying to fix it and they're sort of on you about it, it doesn't really help the problem at all. And I, I think it's important because this is an unusual episode. Not only is it uh, a young guy dominating in the trades, but it's also the it hits the entrepreneur button, which is a hot topic right now. But from Mike's perspective, it's, you know, if he was been in this for 20 years, he could say, listen, here's the price, here's the quote, I'm going to do it. But from his perspective, he shows up and says, hey, listen, here's the price, here's the quote. It might be a little bit lower because he doesn't have 10 years of experience. But also, if anything in this process goes wrong, I guarantee you I'm going to make it right. That's how he's going to win jobs against people who are, you know, future Mikes, one. right? Yeah, that yeah. are when he's 40s and but hey, Here's the price. Here's a quote. I don't make mistakes. I don't screw yeah. up. So, Mike, as we sit here and talk and we we hash things out, I 
I just want to, I want to get one takeaway from you and and maybe two, it might turn into two, but I really want to get that one takeaway. What has been the one thing that has, that has set you above the rest that has, has really, you know, been your go-to every day, something that, that really helped you get ahead in life? Really, the main business-wise, I definitely say is sort of who you know, sort of like networking almost. Who are you going to – something ever went wrong. Who's that guy you're going to call to sort of bail you out if you ever need? And networking's a really big aspect to not not necessarily trades, but especially my field because it's it's very easy to get yourself into a bind where you need – that guy to come pull your stuck truck out or the, the guy to call to borrow his machine because yours broke down. Stuff like that to where really it's who you know and like where you're going to get like constant work from. So your builders you work with, your guys that are too busy to get to the work that yeah. are going to say, I can't do it, but I have this great guy I know that can handle and do his good as a job of me, if not better. So have you ever gotten over your head, but still made it work? I mean, have oh, you, ha- all the time ha- happens all the time. So, so you owe, so you owe somebody a favor, not, not a favor for a favor, but you know, somebody's giving you the job and then, and then, you know, they're, they're in a bind and, and you got to go over there, but you, do you, do you constantly sacrifice? How, how do you make it all work? Sort of like day by day almost. You just got to feel it out. You never really – I could have a game plan that on paper is going to work, and then you get to the <laughs> job, and it's like, okay, well, that's not – doesn't even work here. Couldn't – in the perfect world, couldn't work. So on networking, this, this, is, this is a riot, and, you know, this is a, a little bit of comedic hour is the fact that – so I plow snow – with my boss's son, um, we run we run a route together in in our hometown, and Mike happens to cross over from time to time in, into our town, and uh, so me and me and uh, Chris we we happen to be in opposing driveways, and I pushed the snowbank too far, and uh, my plow got stuck on the other side of the snowbank, so I couldn't get out. So in, in in that moment, I I decided to call Chris, and Chris was in the process of calling me. He had done the same thing. So the two of us both had tow chains. We're both each other's saving grace. Are sitting in opposing driveways, stuck. Now what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is where networking comes in. I mean, the make light of the situation. We called Mike. Mike pulled us both out, gave us a little bit of shit. But it was one of those things that. You know, if we didn't have that network, uh, you know, that's a two hundred fifty dollar tow right there at, t- times two. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it, it was it was uh it was very nice to be able to have people like that, and it, and it's not just Mike. There's that's kind of why we want to shake hands across the our trades in general is the fact that you know I don't know when I'm gonna need somebody to teach me how to solder or. You know, I don't know when I'm going to, you know, somebody's going to teach me how to do do woodwork or, or excavate or whatever. And I think it's a, you know, a true testament to Mike to be able to to talk to people, to learn and, and to be able to, um, you know, grab the jobs that that people are struggling with and and vice versa. I'm sure there's people that have come to your aid and, and oh, helped you the, out. Yeah, all the time. Not even two years into it, really, if I were to say I'm sort of a year into it because those first year or two was really, I was still in high school, so I was only working 2.30 to 6, 7 actually at people's houses, and then senior year was more 
Got out at 11.30, got to the job by like 12.30-ish, worked till 6 or 7, whenever. Takes a special breed to do this, definitely, but it's not... Anyone can sort of hop into it and sort of make it work to where you're comfortable enough to go out there and bid on jobs and do these things. It doesn't... Not a special breed by any means. Sort of anyone out of high school or whenever could be 20 could be 50 could get into this and sort of go at it so to be so to be in the top one percent you know and and i'm not saying it to to scare people away but what what kind of sacrifices have you made yeah it takes that i mean the one big thing that would jump out at me is when all my friends left for college it's like now what what do you do you just everyone all your friends are gone now so most of my friends went out of state school, so they were gone regardless. But that was really the big thing. It's now, now what do you do? Now it's like the real world. You're working every day, and right. But I could, I could shed a little bit of light on that in the, in the fact that you know I'm a, probably you know ten, fifteen years older than you, and I realize now that those I'm not going to say that those friends didn't matter because yeah. I know how no, close yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. To those friends, but but you realize, you know, as, as you move forward in life, the bonds you create, the the, the friends you have, constantly change. Yep. And, and so, you know, staying home is is not as you know, not like a punishment. It's sort of right. Your it's just path you chose to. Right. No, I'm not saying that, that was my route. I went. That was where I wanted to go. That's sort of the big thing. And really, sleep. I mean, I by the time I get home at night and get home, leave my shop at nine, 10 o'clock, get home, do paperwork for a little bit. It's 1130, 12 o'clock and five, 530 rolls around pretty quick up in the morning to get up and go do it again. If you guys couldn't tell, uh, Mike's probably one of the most humble people that we've ever had on this show, probably ever will at such a young age. And so I'd say we talk about being in the 20% of your trade and in, in doing 20% 20% of the trade does 80% of the work. Mike's unusual. He's the 1% that does 99% of it. We don't want to at all paint the picture that he's the stereotypical excavator because he is a little bit unusual. But we do want to show you what hard work, work ethic, uh, focus, dedication, passion uh, can surmount to. And and it's not completely unattainable. Nothing he's done is 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 that like, reach ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's, yep. it's just consistent, show up, deliver, learn, move on. And so, you know, the high level takeaway here is, is not to even focus on the fact that he's 19 years old doing multi-million dollars in revenue a year. The fact is whether you're 30, whether you're 40 and you're 50 and you wake up and you say, what the hell am I going to do with my life in full-time a year? You could argue two years with a senior year of high school. In two years, he went from literally knowing nothing about the excavation world to running his own company with his own employees, his own payroll. He makes his own decisions. He deals with the stress of that. But, like, that's a ridiculously fast pace. And if you think it's going to take you 10, 20 years to get there, he's the perfect example that, it, that it's not. Hopefully that's the big takeaway today is, is how fast he's accomplished what he's accomplished. And so that's what anyone can really hop in and do. It. And thanks, Mike, for taking time out of your day. We know you'd actually probably be working on your business right now. So the fact that you even came here at this hour is taking actually literally money out of your pocket and time out of your experience. And so we're glad to have you. Thank you for having me. We'll be back next week with another episode. And uh, yeah, any questions, comments, we'd love to hear it down below. And, and either Mike or Jeremy or myself will jump in and, and uh, go back and forth. Thanks, guys.